0: Now you may not know this about me, you could be new to the church, but I am a rabid Denver Bronco football fan, something the Sovereign Lord ordained about me before the pillars of time. And one weekend, myself and a group of friends were traveling to Denver to attend a game in the south stands of the old Mile High Stadium, the cheap seats. You can imagine the excitement as we made the long ride and then filed into the stadium. And there I sat, surrounded by 60,000 fellow fans. I was ensconced in blue and orange, yelling and cheering. And by halftime, you know, there's always this interval where there's not much to do. There's no commercials. There's no highlights. You're there in the stands. And so they released a colossal beach ball for the crowd. And so we would just watch it being bounced around the stadium as we were sitting there with nothing better to do. 60,000 of us watching a ball bounce around. And then at one point, the giant ball of Chinese plastic started working its way over toward our section. And then, with one final hit, it was coming in my direction. Now I'm dressed in blue and orange, I'm cheering, I'm surrounded by fellow fans, and we're all having a good time, and the ball starts to descend toward me. And I hear from behind me a friend yell, self, tap it back to me. A friend of mine had the audacity to think I'm going to take my one shot at hitting the Bronco ball to, to tap it back to him. Oh no, oh no. I was about to line up and hit this ball with crushing ferocity. Now as it reached me, I let go with an enormous strike. Now one thing you should know about Mile High Stadium, the old Mile High Stadium, The seating was almost a complete oval, but over here by the south stands, there was a gap in the seating that went out to the parking lot. And on particularly windy days, the air would whip around in the stadium and out that gap. Well, I tell you this because that was suddenly the most important thing that I was aware of at that moment. As I hit the Bronco ball with all my might, and as everyone in the stadium is watching me, the ball flew beautifully away. And then it was grabbed by the current of wind and sucked out of the stadium into the parking lot. One person ruined it for 60,000 other people and immediately 59,999 people started booing one person. Me. Needless to say, my fellow fans turned on me over a $5 ball, thinking that I must have purposely hit it out of the stadium. If there's one thing true about fans, they can change moods in a heartbeat. Because fans, regardless of nationality or type, they are a fickle bunch, cheering one minute minute, and then booing the next. A fan is happy as things are, are going their way. And when things are easy and, and championships are won, oh, as a fan there's nothing better. But when A fan is unhappy. A fan is angry even when little things don't seem to go their way, let alone big things. A referee makes one call and what do we do? As a fan, when things are hard or when the losses are piling up, mm, no thank you. It's a hard season. This is our topic today. Today I want to have a very frank discussion about your relationship with Jesus. Now, this is not a feel good message. This is a message that will hopefully have us pause and consider and take an honest look at our faith and ask a question, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower? It's a simple question really, am I a follower of Jesus are you a follower of Jesus? And some of us might say we don't know yet we're just checking it out. Or some of us might say, no, no I'm, I'm I'm just kind of engaging in this. That, that's fine. But, but for many of us here today we would say, well of course, of course I'm a follower of Jesus. But let me clarify. When I ask you if you're a follower of Jesus, I am not asking if you go to church. When I ask you if you were a follower of Jesus, I'm not asking if you were raised in a Christian home. I'm not asking if at one point you raised your hand in, in, a, in a service and prayed with a preacher. When I ask if you're a Jesus follower, I'm not asking if you own a Bible or if your social media religious views says Christian. Many of us are quick to say we're followers of Jesus. But do we understand what we're actually saying? This is very important. This is clarifying today's topic is maybe the most important. Matthew, in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus himself says some startling things, some challenging words for us that I want us to consider before we, we answer the question about whether we're a follower of Jesus. Jesus is speaking in, in future tense. He's speaking about the end of days and reveals that many who claim to know him are shocked to find out that he does not know them. Here it is, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we drive out demons? Did we we perform miracles for you? And I'll turn to them plainly and say, I never knew you. Away from me. It seems at the end of days that many who considered themselves Jesus followers will find that Jesus, like, he doesn't recognize them. That's a sobering thought, and one that should make us stop and consider our faith. A story about a friend of mine a, a, in a beloved family that I'm, I'm really close with. I've done a lot of funerals and a lot of weddings for this family, and one morning I got this, this terrible phone call that, that one, of the, one of the sons had died. Such a great guy. His name Mikey. And I drove to the the hospital and and the whole family was there. And I get there and I'm sitting with them, we're all crying, and the mother, Mike's mom, she says, I need to talk to you. So we we go out in the hallway for this this, this private conversation of a mom who's just lost her her 27-year-old son. And she says, Daniel, what's going on here? Tell me where Mikey is. And I said, here's the deal. I said, Mikey knows Jesus, but most importantly, Jesus knows Mikey. And that makes all the difference. And that's what we're talking about today. Many who will say, Oh, yeah, I know Jesus, and I did this for Jesus, and I was doing this, and they're going to find out that that Jesus didn't know them. They might find out that they were more of a fan than a follower. And that distinction is huge. Have you ever heard of the phrase uh, in your past, perhaps called DTR? A DTR conversation, I mean what is a DTR? The three initials mean define the relationship. It's the official discussion that that takes place between two people to determine the level of commitment. A DTR is a clarifying conversation for a couple that would um, determine the legitimacy and the intimacy of the relationship moving forward. A DTR is needed at the beginning of a relationship, like, like what what are we doing here, what is this? A DTR is needed throughout the relationship as things get more or less intimate and involved. And a DTR is needed at the end of a relationship if there is one as you move and part your ways. It's, it's, it's a clarifying conversation to define the legitimacy and the intimacy of the relationship. A DTR asks, is this casual or is this committed? So in terms of following Jesus today, is your relationship with him casual? Or is it committed? Is your your followership of Jesus high emotion? Or is there high devotion? Maybe let's just have an illustration. Let's say you're in a coffee shop and Jesus walks in. That's right, Jesus. Blue sash, wavy hair, just like in the movies, except his hair isn't blonde and he doesn't have a British accent. Like, Like the real Jesus walks in. And he orders a water and turns it into wine, and he said, it's time for us to, to talk about this. Talk about us. Like, and he would talk about, are you exclusively following me or just like it's a casual weekend thing? And he would give a very clear understanding of what it looks like to follow him. And perhaps the question, are you a follower of Jesus, would be different, would hit different after having that clarifying DTR with him. You see, there's a lot of us who claim to be followers Yet Jesus, the the word follower doesn't actually describe our lives. We might claim to be a follower, but our actions and behaviors and the fruit of our faith betray us. We're not much followers as we actually are fans. A fan is, de- is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. You know, it's the guy with the, he paints his face, he wears the jersey, he goes to the bananas for his team. He, he has all the players' numbers and stats memorized, but the players don't know him at all. I mean, he has no sacrifice. He has not sweat once during this game that he's watching. He's an enthusiastic admirer. He's a fan, and that's okay to be a fan. Then we have a woman who knows all the celebrity news, all the gossip. Who's engaged to who? Who's having a baby? What's Kanye tweeting? What what are the Kardashians wearing? She knows all of it, but she doesn't know any of them. She's an enthusiastic admirer, a fan of pop culture. And being a fan can be rather easy at times. I mean, wear the right colors, say the right things, show up at the right place, yell the right things, and, and, and there you go, you're a fan. Jesus is actually very easy to be a fan of. It happens every Sunday. So we show up at the right place, wearing the right thing, say or sing the right thing, and, and there you go. I mean, when things are good, he and I are good. But many of us are in danger of are being bandwagon fans. Like, when things are going bad, when our passion begins to, to die out, we say we're beginning to lose faith. How many of you could say that I've lost a lot of faith this year? I hear that more and more through 2020. You see, we can sit safely in a crowd and cheer Jesus the weekend during a song or two, and we can walk away pretty easily when the topic of giving sacrificially or, or choosing to set aside our, our pet sin comes up. It's easy to be a fan when it's all the love and the song. But when it comes to the other things, the places he asks us to follow him, that's where it's difficult. It's easier now to be a fan of Jesus than ever before. 2020 has, has really made this convenient for us. I mean, before we might have attended church more often, we might have gone to our small group or, or, or tithed or read our Bible, but through 2020, many of us, if we're just honest, have gotten out of the habit of all some of the things we were doing beforehand. 2020 has revealed for many of us, if we're honest, we were fans of Jesus our faith doesn't seem to have the same fruit as it did before. Our passion, our faith, has waned and grown cold. And what do we think Jesus has to say about all this? I can say one thing for certain. Jesus is not interested in having fans. The Bible is very clear that Jesus would often say things on purpose to separate the fans from the followers. In fact, Jesus was never impressed He was never motivated by the size of the crowd. What Jesus always looked for was the size of the commitment. One pastor says it this way. He's, quote, The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefits but not so close that it requires anything of them some things that that Jesus fans mistake. They mistake knowledge of Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. They mistake emotion for Jesus for devotion to Jesus. They mistake their good intentions as being authentic obedience. They mistake Sunday attendance for being for being the church Monday through Saturday. So we have to ask ourselves, we should ask ourselves, Are we a fan or a follower? Am I a fan or a follower of Jesus? Another important question to ask is, how does Jesus define what it means to follow him? I mean, how would he define a follower? What would he say about it? Not others, not some rule book, but Jesus, the one we're trying to follow, what would he tell us? Because during his time on earth, when when people did come into contact with Jesus, he would often ask them these defining the relationship questions. Are you my fan or are you my follower? He would ask these things of them. And Luke 9 gives us a picture of three people who thought they were followers, but things were revealed in their hearts that they were just fans. And we look at these three people. My hope is not that anyone listening is condemned by this, but instead that we are lovingly convicted to take a good look at our faith and make the adjustments we need need to make. No one's condemned in this. But if there is conviction, it reveals changes, adjustments, forgiveness. We need to ask of him. Luke 9, verse 57 and 58. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a big statement. This guy's guy's talking a big game. And Jesus looks over and he says to him, because Jesus knows this man's heart. Jesus replies strangely, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. Jesus' response, he says this because he has insight into the man's heart that we don't have. Jesus draws attention to the fact that this man, he loves comfort more than following. Comfort is a high value for this person. Oh, you'll go wherever I want to, you'll go wherever I go? I don't even have a pillow. I don't even have a bed to lay in. And a true follower doesn't ask, how can I be as comfortable as possible while following my Savior? And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us aren't following Jesus. We are following comfort. We're following convenient Christianity. We've made a lifestyle of spiritual coasting, and we've called it Christianity. Perhaps this is what is keeping many of us from following Jesus. I believe, especially here in the Western church, comfort and convenience is what keeps us from following him. We've made comfort one of our gods, and we live for it. We, we work for it, we sacrifice for comfort. Our time, our resource, resources, are our first fruits, they go to our comforts. But there's nothing comfortable about the call of Jesus in the Bible. It's an uncomfortable thing to follow. Convenience isn't the hallmark of a true disciple if you read about their lives. So we have to ask, is my relationship with Jesus one of comfort and convenience or of commitment and conviction? because that makes all the difference. The main verse here in 57 talked about a commitment, but when Jesus painted a picture of what commitment looked like, the man backed away. Many Christians have decided to believe in Jesus and yet never committed to follow Jesus. This type of comfortable faith, this, this, this comfortable faith refuses to take risks in life. It won't leave the boat. It won't step out of the boat and follow Jesus onto the choppy water of taking risks for his kingdom. And these people might say, I want to follow Jesus, but, but don't, ask, don't ask me to forgive that person. Yeah, I know Jesus forgives me, but I am not going to forgive. I'm not going to let go of the bitterness I have for that person that hurt me. Jesus is great, but, but, but don't talk about him asking me to give anything to him. Like, I've, I've worked really hard for what I have. And we don't say these things verbally, but our hearts declare them often. You know, my sex life, my lust, my anger, or my greed, that's like my private business. See, I like this Jesus, but the gifts of, my gifts of leadership, like my talents, are going to be used to build my kingdom. And if I have some leftover time, yeah, I'll help others build God's kingdom. I'm How about this one? I'm on board with Jesus, but let me be clear. I have zero desire to have a faith that makes me stand out. Like, I don't want anything to make me look weird. I'm following a version of Jesus that, that loves me so much, you know, he doesn't care about my pet sins. I love a Jesus who tells me to, to come to him and have life, but, but don't preach that sermon where Jesus tells me to come and die to myself. Now, we would never say that. We would never think that. Our hearts might never declare that, but a fans would. Our second fan, Luke 9, verse 59. Jesus looks at somebody, looks at this man, and he says, You, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. The Lord said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Like, you have a mission and a message. It's interesting, one of the first words out of this man's mouth was, first. First, let me go. And the, the first thing this man does is put Jesus second. Did you notice that? I wanna follow you, Jesus, but, but, but not right now. It's, it's not a good time for me. We treat our relationship with Jesus like it's some diet you know the one that you've been planning on taking at some point like like soon I'll start that i'll stop i'll stop that soon i'm sure i'll get baptized but but, but first one of the thoughts here is that jesus is being a little hard on this man like he says let, let the dead go bury the dead I and mean, this man's dad died and he wants to go bury him come on jesus but in reality the understanding here is the man is saying when my parents die i'll have nothing holding me back I, then I'll follow you like when they die i'm all yours first let my parents die. Then after I bury them, I'm all in. And Jesus says, follow me. And the man's answer is, I'll do it later. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And like many fans here, he is waiting for external circumstances to resolve before he makes a firm commitment. He's waiting for external circumstances to resolve before making a firm commitment to Jesus. First, let me go and take care of this Jesus. Then I'm all yours. First, let me go and have some fun, Jesus. Then I'm yours. Let me go get get this out of the way. Uh, let me let me get it all cleaned up first. Then I'm and then my attention's all yours. But at the at the core, at the core of this statement is Jesus. You're not first in my life. I have other firsts. So for now, you're somewhere else in the queue of my life, and I will get to you eventually. The third and final fan in Luke 9.61, still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied to him, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Look, Jesus isn't looking for half-hearted fans. Following him is not a part-time option. The Bible never endorses the, the Sunday Christians who give God one day a week without activating their faith at any other point in that week. Both the second and the third fan, right here, what their, their issue is is an issue of priority. While the first one was comfort and convenience, this one's priority. Let me ask you one other question to help you define the relationship you have with Jesus. Is, is Jesus your one of many, or is He your one and only love? Is Jesus your one of many loves, or is He your one and only love? when it comes to having lordship in your life. You know, fans make Jesus one of many. I love you, Jesus. I just love these things as much as you or more. Jesus is clear this isn't an option. Mark 12, verse 30. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Holistically, love God above all things, above all affections. Love God. What What would it be like if you were in a marriage and you were married to somebody who loved you but who loves somebody else as well. Equally, you know, not more, but equal. Good news, she loves you. Good news, he loves you, but you're one of many. You weren't the one and only. It doesn't feel good. It's not how it's meant to be. And when it comes to Jesus, he's to be our one and only. Love the Lord Lord your God with all your heart, all your affection. I, I would just say this go ahead. Try to physically follow two people at the same time. Spiritually, it's the same way. Is Jesus your first and only, or is he your one of many? Is your faith casual and built on convenience and comfort, or is it committed? These are heavy questions to ask ourselves, important questions to ask ourselves if we're going to be true followers of Jesus. And this, this is a difficult teaching. The people who Jesus talked about on this, this very subject, when they heard these three people here and these fans, when they heard that this was a difficult moment for them. So why is this an important message for right now? What's the benefit of this right here? And I believe, as your pastor, it is vastly, eternally important, vital, that we understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus stated at the end of time, there are people who will call him Lord and claimed to have done things for him, and his response will be, I never knew you. You might have painted your face. You might have worn a jersey and had some pom-poms and cheered for me, but you never followed me. Orchard, we claim to build our lives on the message of Jesus, crucified and resurrected. We build our church on love God and love people. Jesus is the main thing. But I don't want our church to be a church body that that paints our faces and wears our love God, love people t-shirts and sings our songs, but miss out on what it means to truly follow Jesus. I mean, we need to love God above all things. We need to love people as you love yourself. We need to love God first and foremost and pursue intimacy with Him. We need to love people enough to go to work and share your faith with them because their eternity matters to you. We need to love God and set aside the sins that hold us back. We need to love people and set aside the sins that we hold against them. It might be time to be serious about what we all say we're serious about. Another pastor told me, he said, people are leaving God in record numbers in 2020 because of politics and pandemic. And I, I told him, I said, they're not leaving God. They just simply stopped being his, his fan. A true follower doesn't stop pursuing because of pandemics or politics. A follower of Jesus doesn't stop because, because of news or media narratives. A follower of Jesus doesn't stop because of hardships In John 6, you have to catch this, Jesus delivers one of his most difficult teachings, most difficult sermons in the Bible. It was so hardcore that the fans around Jesus who were trying to follow him, they said, who can even accept this teaching? Verse 60. And it says that that day many turned away and deserted him altogether. Jesus preached the sermon that was so uncomfortable that like all the fans, they took their jerseys off and left them on the ground. And Jesus, it says he turned to the twelve. Like his inner circle, who knows if that was all that was left. And he asked them in verse 67, are you also going to leave? And Peter's response, he said, Lord, to whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? We follow you. You are the son of the most high God. If Peter, having heard the most difficult sermon ever, recognizes that it came, comes from the person, the same person whose words bring life and who gives eternity. And he wouldn't follow even when it wasn't. And he would, follow, he would follow even when it was uncomfortable, even when the sermon was convicting, even when it made him ask questions about his own private life. He didn't want to answer. He would follow even when it wasn't convenient. What about you? I think today would be a good moment for you to have one of these defining conversations with Jesus, to define your relationship, to to talk to Him, to know, am I a fan, just wanting the benefits of Jesus, an accessory to my life, or am I a follower, pursuing authentic intimacy with God? To, To remember that there are places that He's asked you to step out in faith and it's uncomfortable, and you said, oh, uh, first let me do some other things. Not right now. To remember that there's some things He's asked you to set aside and not be a part of that you haven't been willing to. There's some things He's asked you to do that are very inconvenient. And my prayer is that many of us today, in asking these questions and having a conversation with God, would, would move from fan to follower. And that's our assignment, leaving this. Whether you're a journal, whether, like maybe you're a journaler, Maybe you go on prayer walk. Maybe, however it is you engage with God and have that time with Him, take some time to discuss and redefine your relationship with Jesus. Like, like where is it you got off the path? Where is it 2020 took your faith down a road? You, you got distracted. You got immersed in something that, that isn't of God's kingdom. What is it we began to choose over Him? And how do we re-engage? How do we once again refollow Jesus through life, no matter the cost, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how inconvenient, and no matter what life brings. You see, he gave his life to us, and as followers, we, we give our life right back to him, knowing that there's an eternal life ahead. And come what may, Lord, we will follow you. And on that final day, when you see Jesus face to face, he won't say, I never knew you. No, he will meet you there. There'll be a smile on his face, and he'll say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come. One last thing that's vital to hear. You know, Peter was pretty confident there. Like, Where else can we go? You have the words of life. He didn't leave Jesus during that hard sermon, did he? A true follower. But he did deny Jesus three times when Jesus was arrested. He failed miserably in his followership when the pressure was on. But when Jesus sees him next... Jesus reminds Peter. He reinstates Peter. He, he tells him about his love and forgiveness. And he invites Peter to move past that sin, leave it behind him, and come and continue to follow. And maybe that's what we need to remember today. Maybe for you, this is a reminder like it was for me, a wake-up call of, Oh, wow, I've been off in some places. I've been distracted this year by all the screaming of the world. I've been guilty of being a fan of God and the church. I need to re-engage as a follower. There is, there is, if that's you, there is zero requirement for shame or any kind of penance. You're a son or daughter of God based on the work of Jesus if you come to faith in Him. So come to Him and ask His forgiveness for, for, for being a fan, for, for leaving when times are tough, for saying no when things are uncomfortable, for, for saying not yet when they're inconvenient. And those places you feel conviction today, Jesus, forgive me, is our cry. And out of his love, he does. His kingdom is built on love. It's built on grace. And the sooner we come back and are following him, we carry that love and grace to a world that needs him desperately. Jesus doesn't need any more fans. What he's looking for is authentic followers. And what the world out there needs to see isn't people rah, rah, rah when things are good. They don't need to see more fans of Christianity. What the world desperately needs to see is men and women who authentically follow Jesus with robust faith and seek intimacy with him and set sin aside when he asks and say yes whenever he asks us to step forward and will risk for his kingdom Orchard, let's be that church. Let's wear on our hearts what we wear on our T-shirts. Let us us proclaim through our mouth at work what we sing and hear or at home on a Sunday. Let's be followers of Jesus. Orchard, I love you. I'm praying for you. May may God Almighty bless you. And and may he he bless you today with, with clarity of where you are a fan and where you are a follower. And may the Spirit of God show you the path to come home, to have forgiveness, and follow Jesus with a fresh and bold faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. I'm praying for you. Love God and love people.